Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This podcast is brought to you by Vish, a complete color management system designed by colorists for colorists, helping salons to eliminate waste, ensure consistent color and pricing, track inventory, and maximize profit. To learn more about Vish, simply text in all capitals, get Vish with no space, G-E-T-V-I-S-H, to the number 44222 for more information. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, my special guest is Alejandra Crisofoli, my personal life coach and the woman who I give credit to for all of the fabulous changes that were positive movement in my life and helping me to leap with no net. So it's a really special interview for me to be able to share her with you and all of the fabulous things that she does and continues to do. And she is the queen of the pivot. So welcome, Alejandra. So nice to have you here today. Hi, thank you. you like your name, nice queen, to be queen of the pivot. I do. That's so funny. Queen of the pivot. I do like it. So we, Alejandra and I met about seven years ago when I was starting on the journey of transitioning from colorist slash salon owner into educator slash author slash online virtual creator. So there have been quite a few pivots. The biggest one being I have moved to another state. Uh, Some of you who follow me and follow the podcast may not realize all of the big changes that I've made recently. And all or most of those decisions were guided and handheld by this wonderful woman who unfortunately can't see her beautiful face. She's got a fresh haircut and a beautiful tan. She is in San Diego, which I'm so jealous of, and she knows oh, that. That's, that's the dream. But I did get to move to the beach, not the San Diego beach, but a beach, um, and I'm now in Florida. So owning a business for 30 years and being super comfortable, which I'm sure all of our listeners can be, um, can relate to very easily how comfortable feels great. And we think that we're in a good place when we're comfortable, but in retrospect, comfortable is not where you want to stay. It's um, not a place of genius where you can, you know, realize your true potential and the discomfort spawns um, a beautiful future. So that has been amazing. And since I've known you, Alejandro, you've had quite a lot of pivots and changes yourself. And the two of us just were like cats. We just keep landing on our feet and smiling and saying, oh, that worked out. Let's see what's next. What's next? (laughs) Yes. So even in a pandemic, we've had quite a few changes. Um, So I want to hand the mic over to you and have you properly introduce yourself and basically who is Alejandra and what is it that you're currently doing that I know by the end of this podcast, people are going to say, oh my gosh, I need to know her and meet her, but kind of set the groundwork of um, what it is that you do. 
Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm an award-winning master coach and speaker. Um, I've been coaching for over 17 years now, <laughs> which is just crazy um, that it's been that long. Um, and my husband and I also own um, a multi-million dollar coffee company um, here in Southern San Diego. So it has been an interesting journey throughout the last 17 years. Um, but who am I? That's what I do. Who I am is um, just a, a loving human being that has been gifted with the ability to connect and engage with others and help them be able to maneuver through life challenges and come out um, better for them in a place of owning their lives, their business, their situations, their stories, whatever it may be. And um, I just... That is a beautiful elevator pitch. Everyone knows that they should have a way to explain what they do. And you didn't even have to take a breath. You own that and you know who you are, what you provide and how you connect with others. And that's an important thing for people listening to know it's not, I'm just a hairdresser or I do hair. It's, you know, so much more than that as people are finding out now more than ever with salons being closed, how valuable that hairstylist client relationship is. But I love how beautifully you just put that because it really sums up the connection piece and, you know, how important it is to know how and, and why you connect to others and in, in yeah. what way you're showing up basically. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and it, there is a distinct difference between what you do and who you are. Um, you know, like what you actually bring into life and the world. And, um, I think it's a question we all kind of struggle with. Who am I? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Especially when you are trying to, um, build a brand, um, that's known and that people want to work with and, being in the hair industry, there's so many, you know, hairdressers, salons, like what, what really is that distinguishing factor between all of us? And that's really the who you are piece. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I have had many pivots in my life, but that what I was sharing always stays the same. There's not the vehicle in which I'm riding in, you could say changes, but who I am always stays the same. I love that. And that's so, important to know, especially, um, you know, it's like, I always put everything in the hair world. You know, people say, oh, I do. Have you ever seen the ads where it's like, we specialize in haircuts, waxing, updos, bridal hair, kids cuts. So they have this whole yeah. list. And I'm like, what part of specialize? Yeah. How do you define specialize? Exactly. Because that's not very special. I, that's, that's called family salon. <laughs> Welcome to my family-friendly salon. Um, I think what I've, from our relationship, the biggest aha thing overall enveloping theme for me is the part that I learned from you about us creating our own circumstances. That mm -hmm. was the biggest hurdle for me to even grasp. I, when you said that to me, I, it literally took me days of not sleeping of, I don't <laughs> understand this concept. I don't get it. Someone had just chosen to leave the salon. You know, I put all this time into training them and I was like excited for her to blossom and get behind a chair. And anybody listening who's a salon owner, who's 
onboarded a brand new employee knows how much, you know, blood, sweat, and tears goes into yeah, training. Goes into it. <laughs> and then you and I had a coaching call and I was like, oh my gosh, can you believe she just gave her notice? Like what the actual hell? And you were like, yeah, I, no, I'm not surprised. And I'm like, what do you mean? And you said, <laughs> you know, you create your own circumstances. What, what about how you were behaving or acting or interacting with her caused that to happen? And I was like, what are what? you even talking about? Like, what? I'm sorry, what? I trained her. I, I, I noticed I'm starting everything with I. And yeah. I became very aware of when you make it all about you and what you're thinking, feeling, and, and thinking it should be is part of the battle of human interaction. You're always going to be frustrated. For I was sure. the queen of the should. I should all over myself. I should all over everybody. <laughs> I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. Well, you should this and you should that. And, and who makes me that authority. You know, you need to come from the perspective of the other person and that's the hardest thing yeah. to do. But after spending nine months with you and then taking your life coach training and having my kids have coaching with you and then my daughter having life coach training, we behave completely differently as a family unit. Yeah. I behave differently as a salon owner. I behave differently as an educator. It shifted everything. But that one piece of we create our own, you can no longer sit in your victim shit, for lack mm -hmm. of a better word. Mm -hmm. You can't stew in your, can you believe this happened? Well, is me because you realize you had a part in it and the only yeah. person that can change it is you. So yeah, that's I mean, and it's true that I, I think often I find people can somewhat recognize that they, um, create their circumstances. Like when I ask people about like, you know, where do circumstances come from and what are your kind of beliefs about, around them? We know most people on some level or another believe that they do. Um, but it's more about the reaction of the circumstance that they think they have control over versus the creation. So it's, it's, it's separate. It's like, there's the reaction to it, but there's also the creation. And wouldn't it be cool if you could learn where circumstances are created from so then you don't have to react, like catch it before it happens kind of thing. And I think that's where you were having and still do have the biggest breakthroughs and why you've been able to do what you've done and create what you've created because you learned where it stems from versus reaction. 100%. Yeah. Um, I call it the golden key actually in, in coaching now, I've kind of labeled it as like this, this golden key. And it is, it's the golden key. Can you imagine what, when you have that understanding and know how to create what you can actually do? Um, but I remember that you, and most people do struggle with it, but it was like, wait, what, how is this possible? Um, but look what you've been able to do. Yeah. And I mean, uh, trust me, I'm not perfect at it now, but it's funny. You so eloquently call it the golden key. I kept calling it my Superman invisible cape to you. I would call you and say, <laughs> you know, this stuff is really powerful. Now that I understand it, I feel bad for the people that have to deal with me because I know what their behavior really means. Like when someone acts not okay. You know, for example, a client would come in, in, in a really negative mood and the whole salon could feel it immediately. Like from the time yeah. she walked in the door, it was, 
that floor is wet. Somebody's going to slip and this coffee's not hot enough. And, and they're just in that funk. And yeah. you can see the, the film of funk all around them. Yes. And before I would just slide right in and get funky too. Like it would just, you know, envelope the room. Everybody would take on that whole vibe. And now everybody's miserable because of one person, but understanding the tools with your coaching and understanding it had nothing to do with me. She came mm -hmm. in that way. That was what's going on in her life. And now if I react to it, then I'm going to set off that reaction and it's like a domino effect. So I would call you and say, oh my gosh, I feel like I have this like superpower that nobody else has. And it's almost unfair because I can diffuse a situation so much quicker and make it so much more pleasant, even for the person who's in the funk that doesn't even realize they're affecting everybody yeah. else. Um, so that's been a huge, huge gift in communication and relationships in understanding family dynamic in my extended family, mm -hmm. um, you know, at a family party, understanding why this one behaves in a certain way when they're around the other one, like how the dynamic of groups and the hero yeah. victim villain that piece was huge for me. And I still talk about that all the time. You had jumped into one of my boot camps and talked about that and everybody loved it. So it's, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how we wish these things were taught at a primary school level. Yeah. So that we didn't have to wait and be screwed up adults and figure, figure it all <laughs> out and heal it instead of not having it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it does, it absolutely changes. And, and how much more peaceful like life is in that way. Um, all the drama and conflict that we talk about that we say we don't like, but maybe we do sometimes because we're so attached to it in, in some ways, but oh, it's so much better when you don't all of, have all of that going on and know exactly why it's happening and what to do about it. Those are the key things, right? I think too, learning, learning to pause, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording and saying like, how I'm, blah, 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 I'll talk a mile a minute, really fast, really high energy all over the place, totally ADD. And then other people are very soft-spoken and, you know, only say what they need to say. And if it's not, not nice or necessary, they don't say it. Yeah. And I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm kind of meeting halfway where I, I've gained a pause. You know, everybody always describes me as no filter, you know, she says what's on her mind. She tells it like it's like it is. She's very blunt and that's okay. But as an educator, I had to soften those edges a little bit so that I don't scare anybody <laughs> and have a little pause. So yeah. for me, it's been invaluable for social media. How many times have you seen something on social media and you immediately want to your little response. And when I pause, I say, is this for the greater good? Is something good going to come out of me weighing in? Because no one asked me my opinion. It's mm -hmm. different when I'm asked, like in an education situation, when someone says, what do you think, Elaine? They tag me, Elaine, what do you think? And then I answer wholeheartedly with no filter. Yeah. But if it's just on a random Facebook group where everybody's weighing in on their opinion on something, I now hold back. Because prior to getting my pause, I would weigh in with my opinion and I have a very strong unfiltered opinion and I would get all this pushback and all this angst and I would end up being up 
you know, for hours not able to sleep because I got into a battle with somebody on their opinion was different than mine and that's okay, but they weren't able to have it be okay. It was like, they just coming back and wanting to be right. So I'm like, is there really any value in that? Like I don't engage anymore. And it has given me much less cortisol. Now I have to work on getting rid of the 50 years of cortisol. (laughs) Still working on that. Exactly. No, but that's so good. And, and it's almost like it, a need like weighing in becomes, or anything like engaging becomes a need that, um, it's, we're missing something. So that need to engage actually creates this need to be filled and it just does not work at all. And then no healing happens. And then we're wondering why, um, we're not making the money we want to make, or we're having issues in our marriage, or there's always constant friction in our family or why our health isn't what it should be. I'm really noticing more and more how much things are actually directed, connect, directly connected to needs that we have and don't even recognize that we have these needs um, that are almost like addictions. And yeah, we're seeking those needs to be filled through unhealthy things like not pausing and immediately engaging or reacting from a behavior that doesn't work that just continues to create more circumstances in your life or your business that again, doesn't work. Um, so it's, it's, I, this is part of what I love doing too. It's like, it's always evolving and always growing. Um, and, and there's always more layers to it and understanding to it. So it's, it's quite fascinating to me, but yeah, this whole part about needs and if we can actually eliminate the needs that, we have that are unhealthy and more of addictions, then we're able to actually come across in a very grounded, um, paused kind of place. And that's where I think true confidence comes from. I agree. And especially with the the need and the void all goes back to seeking validation. And, you know, I could do have like a really successful, whatever, you know, any, any class or get up on stage and have a really awesome class. And if I don't get some sort of feedback, because you and I taught at the shows and and nobody comes to check on you in your room, you're kind of on your own. And it's like, was your class full? Did you feel like you gave your all? Do you feel like it was a good class? But as soon as even one person would come up to me and say, Oh my gosh, can, you know, can I, get you to sign my book. That was a great class. I really loved it. Like I was ready to quit. And now I'm so much more inspired. That fueled me to go to the next step. And I'm like, why do I need that person Mm -hmm. to tell me that I did a good job? I know I gave it my all and that should be enough. And in our coaching session, my overall overarching theme at the end was I am enough. That Mm -hmm. was like that five-year-old theme of looking for outside validation. And I think for hairstylists, there's a lot of confusion with social media. It's like, what is your why for being on social media and what are you trying to accomplish? Because some stylists, they're nurturing this page in their social media in order to get outside validation, likes, follows, all of those things, but it might not necessarily be translating to butts in chairs and client um, acquisition. So I'll say to them, like, well, what, what is your reason? Like when you posted that, what was it that you put that on there for? Like, sometimes it's 
really super clear to me because of the mm-hmm. coaching piece of like, that's really confusing. You know, what, what was she trying to, he or she trying to accomplish by posting that? And there's this whole movement of where somebody with over 50,000 followers on Instagram is suddenly looked at as an authority in a totally different topic that's unrelated to what they got those followers for. It's almost like it creates this monster of a person with so much ego that they think that they're able to give advice on any topic and it's something they're not trained for. Right. And that social media sets people up to say, well, she's, she's an, uh, an influencer, so I'm going to listen to her. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I, I feel for the younger generation, for Mia and people younger than her, because that's all they've ever known Yeah, is whether so they're true. invisible or visible by their count mm-hmm. of their likes and their followers. And it's so sad. I mean, the suicide rate is crazy in young people because they don't feel seen or noticed on this platform because they might just not know the right hashtag or the way to use it. And it's almost like the mean girl popular thing, but in a virtual way. And we see it in salons. We see the bullies and the, the mean girl kind of backroom dynamic. And this work that you do is so powerful and could make so many shifts for salons with poor culture that we have all these owners so frustrated on how can I fix this culture issue when it's just a, a couple simple things that you and yeah. I are talking about now that can completely change an entire culture if people take the time to pause and figure yeah. it out. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. And and it actually, um, what you were talking about in this whole need part, um, you know, it relates to a lot of what I've been talking around um, money and um, the culture, just relationship development, period. Um, but there's this, that need for validation is connected to a needy, uh, what I call a needy feminine place. Um, and that needy feminine is it's it's an energetic that we all have inside of us where we're having a feminine energy and we have a masculine energy and that feminine energy when it's stuck in an unhealthy place is called the needy feminine and she's the one that totally needs to feel that validation of how many likes did I get and how many shares are there and how many friends do I have now or in a salon environment of like who's sitting in my chair and how many people told me that they loved what I did or how many tips did I get today or how many people actually came and talked to me or, you know, um, it's so unhealthy um, and can cause, you don't realize, so I want to bring an element of awareness here, how much that needy part of yourself directly connects to um, money and mm. time even. But if we stay on the conversation of money, which I know in this industry, we struggle with. Um, it's, yeah, I, I feel like it's just always been a struggle I hear from stylists, owners, um, regardless of what kind of situation you're in, booth renting, commission, it's like, it's the same conversation. And it's because of exactly what we're talking about right now. Um, no systems, no structure, no um, tool in the world is going to help you if you don't get to these core fundamental pieces that we're talking about. And it always goes back to that story. That was another interesting 
thing in the coaching about your inner five-year-old and how you react to things is basically your five-year-old self that has been taught this way of thinking and being Mm -hmm. your whole life if you don't do the work. Um, And so many people struggle with, I can't charge more, the client will leave me and I can't do this because this, I just was coaching somebody yesterday and she said, you know, I'm working nine days straight with no day off trying to catch up and get everybody in and a salon in the strip center that we're in just closed. And I want to make sure that I take advantage of getting all those new guests. And I said, well, you know, here's an idea. How about all the new guests that are trying to get in, they all need a salon home and they don't know you or your prices. So how about you start with making anybody new a little bit higher than what your current price is. And then once you get rolling again and they become an established guest, then you can have your current guests go up to that new price point and then everybody is even. And she said, oh, I don't think you understand. I, I'm, I am an employee of a salon. I don't own the salon. I said, oh no, I understand. You know, it's time for an increase. Well, my owner would never go for that. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know an owner out there that's not going to want to make your price higher so that their commission goes higher. Um, You know, maybe it's not the right place for you. Like if that's the dynamic, then maybe she's holding you back period. Maybe it's time to look at that. And she kind of, it was like, she heard it differently for the first time. Yeah. So you know, it's like we, again, it goes back to that comfort zone. It's I'm so busy So people are rewarding me for where I am now by coming back and liking me. So I don't want to change the price because then they're not going to like me. It's Mm -hmm. like this equals that and it doesn't, you know, so it's, and I will never, ever forget when we were in the midst of my coaching journey, being hanging up from a session with you and the decision we came to together, it wasn't like you were pushing it on me was that I was done. I was done with owning a salon. I was done with that whole building, that whole location, like everything was done. Yep. And it, it, the enormity of what had to happen to make that all go away was so overwhelming. I thought I would have a heart. Like, I felt like an elephant was standing on my chest and I got in the shower and the water's beating on my head, which I swear opens up that chakra of thought. Yeah. Like I always get my most... <laughs> clarity under the shower. And I was like, wow, you know, that was a lot. And oh my gosh, I have to end a business that's super successful. I have all these people that work there that are successful. So I'm messing with their future and their career. And oh my gosh, the building, like the whole plan of owning the building was having it for retirement. And that's so scary. It's talk about leaping with no net. It was like, everything was going to get pulled out from under. And then the drunk monkey shows up even in the shower and is on the shoulder saying, you're out of your mind. You can't do that. Let's just take it one step at a time. So my knee jerk reaction was, okay, that's easy for her to say. She lives in beautiful San Diego and has this wonderful coffee company and this awesome husband and all these other things. She's not taking this kind of risk. It's easy for her to tell me to take that risk, but I'm going to be, you know, I'm the breadwinner for four people counting on me. I can't do this. So I let the air out of the tire and did my little halfway and said, she doesn't know. She doesn't know the whole story. I'm just going to do this. I let a little air out of the tire and of course, lo and behold, I'm talking to you on the phone again 
saying, but I don't understand. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, you, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You let fear keep you. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I need to do the whole thing. And it wasn't until I cleaned it totally up and completely went all in that I can now see the other side of the fear, how amazing it is. My life is completely what we had went for and, and yeah. worked up to, but until I went all in and trusted the process, it was never going to happen. And yeah. it's so clear to me now being on the other side, but I can only imagine you as a coach, how frustrating to get people to that awareness of what they need to do and then not see them fulfill. Yeah. I'm sure if you did a spreadsheet of the percentages, <laughs> most don't leap, right? They, they yeah. still stay somewhat stuck. Yeah. Because of that blankie yeah, comfort. Yeah, that blankie. Yeah. I, and, you know, it's because it, it, I think you said this to me, actually, um, when you had made the decision and, like, things were truly moving forward, you were like, I, I, I wish I would have done it at the time we said we were going to do it. Um, because you could have saved yourself a whole lot of heartache and, you know, issues and challenges um, between that time period. Um, I, I kind of, right. Wasn't that a conversation? 100%, yeah. hundred percent. Like in retrospect, like when I look at my journals, it's so clear now yeah. because I know that it all, I, I know the happy ending, but when you don't yeah. know the happy ending, I'm like, what about this? What about that? Oh my gosh. College yeah. tuition, college apartment for Jack, you know, health insurance, life insurance, like all those bills. And speaking of money, we get so overwhelmed with, you know, what we are attached to as far as the physical mm -hmm. objects. Like, you know, when we first moved to Florida, we had one car. We don't, we don't need two cars. Mm -hmm. That was fine. You know what I mean? It's like the things that you figure out that you can do without and how much happy you are without all those payments and stress. Yeah. It's like really crazy how much we drive ourselves crazy. And, and now I can see it in other people, in family members, in friends, like the rat race and the grind and the doing it over and over again because you don't know how to do it any different. And then or you're I afraid see, to do yeah, it differently. it's the fear. Yeah. But now I see my dad. My dad has Alzheimer's. So mm -hmm. to see him work his rear end off his entire life until he physically couldn't and not being able to enjoy, to mm -hmm. reap the rewards of a, a life long career yeah. and monetary success. But now it's like, he doesn't even know, you know, who we are or what he's doing. And, and it's so, mm. so clear to me now to see the different, like, I'm so happy that I did it when I did it. Of course, I wish I did it sooner, but it's never too late. Is never, the never the point. <laughs> yeah. So listen, there's, there's a couple of things I, I want to share about that. Um, these are never logical um, decisions, you know, when you're dealing with the big picture of, of life. Um, they're never logical. Like, it wasn't logical for us to say, like, okay, no, you're ready to be done, and this is what needs to happen, and all these things. Like, it was not logical. So fear actually uses logic as a way to keep you stuck. So that's one thing. The other thing is you mentioned trust because yeah, it, it takes a huge 
element of trust and trust does not make fear go away. Um, I, I see so often how people just kind of go into a waiting one because it's not logical um, and mm -hmm. two, because they are afraid and they're kind of like waiting for the fear to be overcome or the fear to go away or the fear to be diminished. And we think this like, <laughs> that it happens and that if, if, if we do get to a place of trust, then the fear will go away. Or if I have enough money, then I can trust and the fear will go away. Or if I, if I have people to help me, then I can trust and the fear will go away. You know, something, it doesn't Always work the if like then. that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, and it doesn't work that way. That's you, the fear is going to be a companion <laughs> no matter what it's part of being human. Like it, it's innate in, inside of us. Um, it's hardwired and, and that's why it's so important that we have trust and faith and this ability to like find courage and not get sucked into the logic and the whole shoulds kind of thing. Um, but it truly takes, you went on a healing journey. Like you, you hear me talk about this. Like there's a difference between healing and dealing and you chose to take a healing journey that allowed you the courage and the confidence to be able to face the fear and do it anyways. And that's what's really required is being able to just make that decision to move forward um, and have healing while you're doing it. Cause it just makes it that much easier to trust. Mm -hmm. But you know, um, we tend to go down the dealing route because of fear <laughs> and the yeah. comfort zone and all that. Absolutely. I think what happens though, I think for, for me, it was the pain of staying stuck became greater than the fear of failure. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, it that's was a like good one. one of those, you know, a brick comes at you, something happens that's obvious that you shouldn't proceed. And you're like, oh, just a minor bump in the road. Let's keep going. And I kept doing that. I kept ducking, stop dropping and rolling, setting myself on fire, stop dropping and rolling, <laughs> putting the fire out and saying, Oh, temporary misstep, you know, but it was, it was the universe telling me my joy lied elsewhere at this point. And it yeah. truly, I mean, I, my kids are now with me temporarily mm. and they're just like, do you ever stop? Because <laughs> I am so in love with what I'm doing that I don't have a schedule anymore. Mm -hmm. Like someone reaches out and says, Hey, I have this woman in my chair. She has this X, Y, Z. I'm like, Oh, do da, 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 da. And let's walk through it together and let's jump on a zoom call. And, and the members of my um, hair color membership are like, Oh my gosh, you're really calling me right now. Like you're like the person. And I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah, that's me. what this is for. It's yeah. me, you know? So it's so great. And I oh. have you to thank for that. Like I could not be happier. I, you know, I'm not dealing with the daily grind of Groundhog Day anymore of every day being the same. Every day is new and exciting and new projects and new everything. So I hope that anyone listening to this podcast, I hope that they will track you down and find you and spend some time with you um, either at one of your amazing workshops that my husband and I did together. Um, totally life-changing for us as a couple and as a family. Um, you know, your, 
you're on a crusade right now, which is amazing to help hairstylists understand that we do have the ability to retire at some point. You know, we're yes. all living Starbucks to Starbucks payment and car payment to car <laughs> payment. Um, but actually paying ourselves and, and starting a little slush fund and finding other ways to pay ourselves other than having carpal tunnel and sh- shoulder surgery and acupuncture and, mm. you know, special shoes and, mm. and putting, yes. you know, cortisone shots into our joints. Um, oh there is goodness. a better way to have a future in the industry. So how can our listeners, I'm sure we have their heads spinning with all that we just talked about. How can they stay in touch with you, get in touch with you and get a little dose of Alejandra's uh, fabulousness moving mm. forward? Um, the easiest way is just through my website, which is theballercoach.com. Um, and it's spelled just like it sounds, ballercoach.com. Um, and I have a couple of freebies on there for you too, um, that you can check out. One is all about the psychology of money, um, and, and helping hairdressers be able to really look at money from a different place. And if you have struggled, which I know most hairdressers do or owners do as well, um, it's because we don't understand the psychology of it. Um, and, and I know there's so much out there about how you approach, the strategy and the structure of money. But if you don't know the psychology behind it, then it's never going to be enough and you'll constantly fall into your cycles. Um, So there's a a free workbook in there for you um, to check out. And socially, you can check me out socially. um, You can find those on the website as well. Nice. Perfect. Well, I know I am going to be downloading that workbook because I still have a lot lot of work to do where money is concerned. Um, And that's been passed down from generation to generation, (laughs) a money story, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm trusting, trusting the process. There we go. Well, this has been amazing. And I would love to, you know, keep in touch and do a part two because I'm sure people are going to want more of you. And I'm hoping that they connect and get that download and um, reach out to you. Perfect. Would love to. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.